What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Prove Me Wrong podcast. This is episode 17 of the podcast. No pun today. I want to take a week off from it, so it's just simply episode 17 of the podcast named Sex Dungeons. That's right. You heard me. It's called Sex Dungeons. Uh, we'll definitely get into what that means in this episode of the podcast. If you haven't yet, please go rate and review. And we're also now, each and every episode is going to be on YouTube. So if you're on YouTube, search Prove Me Wrong Podcast and hit that little subscribe button so you'll get notified every time a video gets uploaded. Thanks so much for checking it out. I hope you enjoy this episode. Without further ado, Prove Me Wrong. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Prove Me Wrong podcast. I don't know what episode we're on, so I'm sure that'll be in the intro, but it's not in the live podcast right now as we speak. Welcome back. I said it was going to be every Monday. Um, I lied to you. A few days behind on this, you know? Uh, as I sit here today, this is Friday. I was going to record it yesterday, Thursday. But I went fire chasing, so um, it kind of took a back seat. But more on that in a little bit. Um, last week was a really fun episode. Uh, part of the reason why this is pushed back a little bit is because uh, last week's episode didn't come out until Wednesday? Thursday? One of those days, but it was with uh, my buddy Brian. And if you haven't checked it out yet, um, you can listen to it, of course, on Podbean, Stitcher, and iTunes. But now, like I mentioned, you can start listening and watching all of the podcasts on YouTube. It takes a little bit longer to export the video file and then be able to upload it to YouTube. So it's usually going to be a few hours behind or not even a day behind because then I have to go through and produce it and put in different clips and all that type of shit. But if you haven't checked it out yet, you can now watch the podcast in each and every episode on YouTube. Just go to YouTube and you can search either Grace and Gregory or the Prove Me Wrong podcast, and it should pop right up. I can't change the URL I found out the hard way, so I think it's still youtube.com backslash Grayson underscore Gregory or Grayson dot Gregory, but I tried to move it over to Prove Me Wrong pod or something similar to that, and they wouldn't let me do it. So I changed the whole name to, of the YouTube channel to just the Prove Me Wrong podcast, but there was no reason to get rid of my old channel because it's got, I don't know, 50, 60,000 views just from the, all the old sports shit on there. And once you get past 10,000, you can start monetizing videos. And if anything goes viral, then you can start making money that way. So I didn't see any reason to delete that account and start anew. There's already a little bit of traction there. Let's keep it going. It's the same thing, like I said, with Instagram. I'm not going to start a different Prove Me Wrong podcast Instagram channel because who the fuck wants to go follow another channel or another page? I'll just keep it on mine and send all the traffic that way. I really wish that Instagram would adopt the features of Twitter and Facebook. First of all, how stupid is that algorithm? Can we go back to just a chronological algorithm instead of, I mean, I'll literally see posts from five days ago from someone. It'll pop back up in my feed. I'm like, bitch, I already saw this. I just didn't hit double click on it because I didn't like the goddamn photo. And here you are showing it to me again. So can we just adopt it? I mean, at least in Facebook, you can search, you can do their, I think, current stories, whatever it is, and then switch back. I think it's like most recent and then you can switch back to, yeah, most recent and then whatever their algorithm storyline is. And that helps. That way I get to choose the information I get to see. Twitter's in the same way where they're now starting to fuck with things where different stories will pop back up. If like somebody you follow has liked a tweet or something, if you guys aren't on Twitter, you can pretty much do the same things as Facebook. It's now there's 280 characters instead of 140. But you can either retweet or share a story or you can like a story. There's not all the whoo and the wows that there are now on Facebook. I think it's just a, a heart or you can retweet the story out. But one of the features that Twitter and Facebook both have is the hide button. It's amazing. I think in Twitter it's called mute and in Facebook it's called hide. 
but it's something where you can just like ghost unfollow somebody. You can hit hide. You don't have to unfriend anybody. You don't have to unfollow anybody. No feelings are hurt, but you just get those bullshit stories out of your timeline. I can't, there's no telling how many countless numbers of people have muted me on Twitter or hit me on Facebook. And it's fine because I hide you fuckers too, okay? I'm telling you, sometimes I forget I'm even friends with somebody on Facebook until their birthday pops up and I go, oh, forgot about that person. And I'm sure it happens full circle. I get it. I'm an opinionated person and people get tired of seeing my shit. But wouldn't it be wonderful? You all have that friend. We all have that friend. You all follow that person. And wouldn't it be nice to just be able to hit hide? It's probably a family member. It's probably a cousin. It could just be a friend. I have it across the board. All my family members are cool on it, so I don't mind following anybody on social media. But there's a few friends. I'd like to hit the hide button on you so I stop seeing your shit. And it's just because I'm too big of a pussy to unfollow you because then there might cause real-world rifts. So I'd rather just passively aggressively passive aggressively just hit the little hide button and ghost you and not be able to see your things anymore i'm always talking shit on the motivational meme person if you're a motivational person that's gonna show through you are allowed to post those things because you've done the work but the people that are constantly posting them every single day We've been over this. We know what you're doing. We can see through the lines. What movie was that where Jack Black said, read between the lines and really just meant he was flipping somebody off. That was a great line. But wouldn't it be better if Instagram, you could just be able to hide people and they're they're always updating. And I, I don't know if it's for the better, but if you could just hide people once in a while, that would be fantastic. Yesterday, my Instagram was going off. I had a lot of fun with that. I'll get to that in a little bit. Um, I noticed something I was doing last night. Um, I've mentioned before, look, full disclosure, I'm a piece of shit. I understand. I get it. But (laughs) when people call you without texting first, it's like, what? It's like someone just showing up to your door. Like back in the day, remember where you just like go and knock on someone's doors like, hey, is Timmy home? Because you'd want to go out and play. But now we like screen our calls. We screen who's at the door. I mean, would you ever answer the door without looking through the peephole first? No. Would you ever answer like a block number without knowing who it is first? Hell no. And when people call me without like text me first, I feel violated. It's like, hey, can you text me and then ask if it's okay to call me and I understand it's just me I'm crazy I'm crazy but I noticed this yesterday and you tell me if I'm the only one am I the only person that when someone calls and you don't want to answer the call that if you're watching this on video you take your phone and you turn it upside down it's almost like you think they have like an inner, they're able to look at you through uh, the camera on your phone. And sometimes if it's at night and I'm laying in bed and someone calls me, not only will I turn my phone over, then I'll like close my eyes like I'm fake falling asleep, like my parents are going to come rushing through the door, like I'm doing something I'm not supposed to do. And it's not just calls. Sometimes I do it with text messages too, where I just like flip it over. And it's even worse if you're out in public and someone calls you out of the blue. Because then you kind of feel like maybe they're around you. You never want to be the asshole that hits the little button to stop the ringing of the phone as the person standing behind you. I mean, you're out in public, you're at the mall, you're at a restaurant. Hell, you could even be driving down the road. And so whenever anybody calls me, and I'm in my truck or I'm out in public, I kind of do the once around. Is anybody seeing this happen? Is anybody seeing this happen? But I just realized, and it's just a stupid quirk the last night, <laughs> I realized I turned my phone over like I'm trying to hide from the camera, like they are, they have a window in to be, be able to see me blocking the call. Um, but I'm just crazy like that, man. I'm just crazy like that. Um, go back to last week's episode with Brian. It, it, me and him could do, I think, three hours of it. Uh, it. It's so much easier if you are in the same room with someone, but with us that have hundreds, if not thousands of hours speaking 
um, in a radio sense or even just shooting the shit at home, it's a very easy thing to do. Brian is the muse to my trolling. You'll see it and you probably heard it in there where he just kind of starts baiting me into things. Just kind of dangle something out there just to get me to uh, start freaking out. And um, over the years, he's gotten um, amazing at it. And afterwards, I was talking with him and he said, oh, we need to have a meeting next time and we should talk about everything we're going to talk about. I'm like, it doesn't matter because we can write these things down and you'll still forget about it. There was many things we wanted to get to and it just never never found its way within the conversation. I mean, there was this rad video that popped up last week that said, I'm not a racist. If you haven't seen it yet, go on YouTube, look up I'm not a racist by the guy's name is Joyner Lucas. Um, that'll definitely make you feel some type of way and sit through the whole damn thing. Don't just make it through the first two minutes. Trust me, you need to watch the whole piece to get um, the narrative that Joyner Lucas is pushing. And it's an awesome thing. So we wanted to bring that up. And one of the other stories we wanted to bring up was about a girl I knew when I lived in Wawal. Those that haven't listened to this podcast much, Wawal is uh, Louisville, Kentucky. And when I lived there, and I'm going to use this girl's name only because it's in the news story that I'm going to talk about. And not only is her name in the news story that I'm going to talk about, so is her picture in this news story. And one of the people or the story that I'm talking about is this girl named Steph Sean. Steph Sean, like I said, was a cheerleader that I knew at Louisville. Always thought she was batshit crazy. I think I've had two or three, two, three, three, three separate friends date her off and on. Um, Brian being one of them. Sorry, buddy. This, this is a long time ago. This is a long time ago. But she was just crazy. She was a type of girl I don't know if you guys watch um, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, but you know that scene uh, from the Ponderosa sister where she starts hitting herself in the chest and just says she's going to call the cops and say that uh, he assaulted her? That's the type of chick Steph Sean is. And when I was in Texas, I woke up um, to, I don't know, probably four or five in the morning <laughs> to a text message from Brian and it said, read this entire story. And you know how in iPhone, for those of you on Android, like, I can't talk to you. Uh, do I have to send you a fax? Like text messaging is so awful between the iPhone and Android systems. Like nothing's worse than when you meet a girl or a guy and then you get their phone number and the text message pops up green. Like, ugh, ugh, what are we even going to talk about? I mean, do you have a rotary phone on the other side of that? I mean, it's just, then you lose the ellipse. I mean, it's just, it's it's so much. It's first world problems. I understand. I, I, but you know, on the iPhone where it pops up and it has like the little um, preview of the story, all I saw was this girl's face, Steph Sean, and this guy, and coincidentally enough that I had seen in some of her Instagram stories or Snapchat stories before. You can Google this. This is real. And the words that I'm going to tell you to Google is going to tell you exactly where the story goes. All you have to do is Google Steph Sean or Stephanie Sean. That's S-H-O-N. And then the two words, sex dungeon. Mm-hmm. Sex dungeon. You heard me right. Mm-hmm. Her and this guy are now being sued, and I imagine they're going to have charges pressed against them because they were running a sex dungeon. One of the guy's names, or the guy that was leading this whole thing, his name's Howard Rubin, and I guess he's an ex-Wall Street guy, and I'd ask uh, my pops about him, and he even knew who he was. But I'm just going to read you a little piece right now, and this is from the Daily Beast, um, just to explain to you about one of Brian's ex-girlfriends, a girl I've known, I don't know, probably 10 years, and her sex dungeon that she helped orchestrate. It starts, Stephanie Sean, a 29-year-old former, I'm going to do air quotes here, model, and current, I'm going to use air quotes again, account manager for a legal support services company, would reach out to bikini models and exotic dancers on Instagram and say something to the effect of, my boss wants to meet you. Sean then allegedly offered the women $2,000, no strings attached, to fly to New York and meet with Ruben in his Manhattan apartment. Then, if Ruben liked her, they might take some naughty photos, but nothing too extreme, and he would pay her an additional $3,000. For the fellows out there, it kind of sounds like, you know those things you see on the internet with the black couch and its backroom casting? Kind of sounds like that, right? But 
there's just no tortures in those videos. I'll go on, sorry. Uh, uh, would pay her an additional $3,000. Ruben just liked hanging out with Playboy model, Sean said. And I, I love how they describe her in the story. It says, if Sean, a leggy honey blonde in her photos on social media, which she has now since deleted, couldn't seal the deal, then she had another woman, Jennifer Powers, I guess she's a former Hawaiian Tropic model, that then would also reach out to these girls and be able to bring them in. Let me scroll down the story a little bit. Um, we can really get to the uh, sex dungeon stuff. I mean, I guess it's not important, but he had this spare room where he would torture them and beat them and do all this crazy shit and then would offer them hush money at the end and then they'd go away. But now three of them are filing suit and are looking to um, really take it to them. So, of course, me being the nice guy I am, what did I do? Took a screenshot of the story, linked it, personally messaged it to Stephanie on Instagram and said, ah, good luck with all of this. You know, with the, with the, the teeth gritting uh, emoji. Yeah, that's the type of person I am. And I've mentioned to you guys before, this isn't a warning, but I have a, a stupid app that just tells you when people unfollow you or if they uh, block you. And it was in, I don't know, two or three hours later, I got the notification that I had been blocked. But you'd have to know her. She is such a troll and such a piece of shit and just an all-around bad person. Granted, was good looking, but she is such a piece of shit. Nothing brought me more joy than being able to call her out on that and send her that message and just said, ah, good luck with all this shit. And it's it all makes perfect sense now because every few months she would delete her Instagram or she'd start up a new Instagram and then all of a sudden she would post like 30 photos worth that were on her previous Instagram like it was just brand new and I've read stories about people um, renting private jets not to fly in them just to be able to go and stunt in them and take the Instagram photo and I'm sure that's what was going on with her because she had all these lavish photos and was traveling and I mean now we know that um, it was just borderline prostitution but I have a few friends like that knew a few people like that in Florida where it's not prostitution but they get paid to go on these trips and hang out with guys and they get money. Weird. Weird. I, I don't know what happens on the other side, but I'm like, bitch, you, you work at Yard House. How are you traveling to Maldives? How, how are you going to Ibiza? I know you don't have the money for this. What's going on? And just to show you what's behind the curtain a little bit, it's 2017 prostitution, but hey, I ain't mad at you. It's your hustle. Get in where you fit in. If it's giving you trips around the world and you can hold your head high and not worry about it, then I'm cool with it. But I, I cannot believe we glossed over that story. But I, I'm only using her name and her, I'm talking about her picture because it's everywhere. Here, let, let me just Google just to show you a few of the articles real quick. Steph Sean Sex Dungeon. Literal words. Um, Daily Beast. New York Post, New York Daily News, DailyMail.co.uk, Crime Viral, the three, uh, the Free Thought Project, Crime Feed, it's everywhere. I'm about to set up a Google Alert system just so I can hear when uh, more news breaks. And the crazy thing about this is the story was actually from November 3rd. So this actually occurred the week Brian and I were in New York. Um, this was all coming down and she currently lives in New York with this this man, I assume, or he pays to uh, run an apartment or something. I don't know too many more of the details. But um, for those of you, and some of you listen to this podcast, this might be the first time you're hearing this and you know who Steph Sean is. So this might be surprising. This might be shocking. But if you knew her, it's just, it's a little sweet. I feel bad for the girls that she lured in. Obviously, I'm not condoning what she did. Um, I hope it doesn't sound that way. But She's just such a bad person. And it's so funny because her Instagram profiles, her bio was always like, sophistication and class is the way to be. And all of a sudden she became Jewish out of nowhere. And there was like the star of David. And there was, a, I mean, just out of nowhere, she became Jewish. So I, I don't know. Trust me, if you've ever met her, there, there's not a religious bone in this woman's body. So, I mean, she's just crazy by crazy standards. Um, but I was mentioning yesterday uh, or earlier about the, the fires that had occurred yesterday in uh, Murrieta. And 
holy shit. I mean, it's not just Marietta, right? I mean, we were like the last ones to catch a fire. It's like all of Southern California is on fire right now. I'm sure by now you've seen that one picture of the cars driving down the 5 or the 101, and it even shows like the highway sign where it says uh, Santa Monica or maybe it's Sunset and the Getty Center is like a mile away. And everything is just engulfed in flames. I mean, it looks like one of those end-of-the-world movies. Just everything is on fire. I mean... This happens every so often, every few years, where it just feels like all of Southern California is engulfed in flames. So, I mean, I, what I'm about to say, let it be known, I'm not talking shit on the people that have been in real danger or the, all the people that lost their houses in L.A. Right now, I'm just going to be talking about the people with the Marietta fire yesterday or the Liberty fire, but I'll backtrack for a second. So yesterday I had left the gym um, <laughs> I love people watching and I love like dissecting why people do the things that they do. And one of my favorite things about going to the gym is when you just pull up to the gym that how many people are jockeying for a position to get the closest spot, the parking spot to the gym. Like, you know what? You can start now. Just park over there. And you don't, the gym isn't just through those doors. The gym is life. You, you can park further away and walk your way in, into the front doors. I mean, it's going to be okay. And how many people jockey their way for the closest parking spot to the front entrance to the gym? But I digress. So after the gym yesterday, I'd gone down to um, a place called Farmer Boys because I try most times to be on like a low carb diet, like on a keto diet. And they have this fucking double bacon cheeseburger with avocado. So I just get that without the bun and it is fantastic. I'm such a picky goddamn eater. The keto diet is like one of the best things for me. I mean, I'm so picky. I eat, I think I've told you guys before. I mean, I eat no vegetables, none. I eat potatoes. It's a weird texture thing for me. And now that I'm 32, I've like gone beyond being able to like retrain myself, I think, unless I'm hypnotized, like there's no way I can go back. So I supplement it in other ways, like with vitamins, or I've told you like I have this microgreen drink that I drink. But my favorite thing is whenever I tell somebody, then they start like, that I don't eat vegetables. Then they start like listing off vegetables. Well, how about this? No. How about this? No. Well, what about this one? No, I just told you I eat no vegetables. So you can sit here until you're blue in the face. You can look like Veruca Salt and Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, but I promise you, any veg, I'm not gonna be like, oh, that was one, I forgot about that. No, no, I ate mashed potatoes, I ate french fries, and this is starch, right? Does that even count as a vegetable? So, um, God, where was I even going with that? But nonetheless, a after I went and got my food, um, I was then driving back uh, over to Walmart because I had to get a new tripod for my webcam uh, in the studio here. And as I was driving down Madison, I looked off to the left and you can start seeing um, smoke pop up. And if you follow me on Instagram, you, you already know where this is going. Um, so I just shot that real quick and said, oh, I guess the fire has finally reached us. Then I get out of Walmart and you can see that the smoke had like doubled in size. It was billowing up. I went, oh shit. Get in the car, drive home. Where I live, it's like right on the corner of like, um, for those of you that are familiar with the area, um, Marietta Hot Springs and Winchester. So I was driving back across um, the Marietta Hot Springs Bridge, heading towards home. You can see it off the distance that it was getting even bigger. And at this point, I just figured out, I'm going to be a fire chaser. You've heard of storm chasers before. I'm going to be a fire chaser. Now, had it not been as close to my house, I would have given up and it wouldn't have lasted as long as it did. And I actually didn't even know it was as close to my house until I got up uh, to the street where I'm supposed to turn in. I went, oh, that's right there. That's pretty close. So I passed my house, drive up to the left, go and park for a while and just kind of watch it um, billow and um, build from there. Thank God there wasn't too much destruction. I think only one house was taken down, um, and they got to it pretty quick. I didn't know this, but they even had 747s. You know, like the big giant planes you're on, like on Southwestern American Airlines? They had those um, putting down the fire retardant everywhere. So I think that really helped being able to stymie the fires down and be able to keep them at bay that they only lost the one house. Although one house did get blanketed with the shit. It just got blanketed with this pink fire retardant. So shout out to all the firefighters and all the pilots out there yesterday that was able to keep it um, at bay. But I had tweeted it out fairly quickly um, because when you do that, 
or if you're looking to, I, I knew yesterday if I tweeted it out really quick, it'd probably get picked up. So I think yesterday, if you Googled Grayson and Marietta Fire or Liberty Fire, my tweet popped right up because it was on KTLA News. I think it was on the Marietta or Temecula patch, and it might have been a few other sources. I'm not sure, but it's always like first to the punch. And I, I, I'm now contemplating just quitting doing this podcast and just becoming Jake Gyllenhaal from the Nightcrawler movie, you know, where he had the police scanners and he was going to try and be on first in the scene. And I don't remember the movie all that much. I think I only watched about half of it and then gave up. But and so I think there was some seedy things that happened on there. So that that's not what I'm implying. But Grayson, yesterday, eyewitness news, eyewitness reporter, God damn it. And we've we've talked about this next topic before, but people are still doing it today. People are still doing it yesterday. And hear me out. I, I'm not talking about those of you that have been in real danger. But yesterday was not that day. Hell, where it even happened, it says that it's in the unincorporated part of Marietta. So that tells you about the spot where this happened. And there was one house that was lost. I'm sorry for those people. It's going to be a rough Christmas. That fucking sucks. I, I get it. That's not what I'm talking about. But what I am discussing yet again is people marking themselves on Facebook. Unless you are in the danger zone, there's no reason to mark yourself on Facebook. Even still today, as I was about to hop on this podcast, granted it's 2.45 right now on Friday, the fire is like 70% contained and there, there's been no smoke since even yesterday. I think the biggest concern was if another ember took off that it could start another fire, but they, they got it down and were able to keep, uh, hold it down uh, fairly quickly yesterday. People marking themselves safe on Facebook was happening yesterday, happening today. Some of you that are doing it, I know where you live. You were not in the danger zone. And what are those moments? Say it with me now. Look at me. Look at me. I'm safe. Don't forget about me. That is exactly what you're doing. If people are concerned about you, they'll call. They'll text. They will message you directly. No one's waiting for bated breath, waiting to see if I mark myself safe on Facebook. There are times to do that. Some of these fires have been the time to do that. If there's a mass shooting, if there's a terrorist attack, if there's a hurricane, if there's a tornado, if there's like the mothership of all mothership earthquakes and it's like a 9.0 and all the buildings shake and collapse, mark yourself safe. I'm not saying it's not a useful tool. However, I'm saying some of you people yesterday, there was no need for you to do it. What is that in all of us that makes us want to be like, oh, look at me. I'm safe. I'm not that person. And I, of course, I got the notification yesterday and I could have marked myself safe. But damn it, I didn't do it. Because if you were worried about me, you called or text me. And people did reach out yesterday like, oh, I hope you're safe. Hope you're doing OK. I'm like, Files, fire's three miles away. It would take a lot to be able to get to me right now. I was never concerned for my safety or for my home safety or anybody that lives around me. And if you're just listening to this and going, oh, Grayson, you're a piece of shit. How can you have no empathy for these people? One of my best friends in this world, Blaine, yesterday had sent me pictures from his mom's house. And I mean, it was a half mile away. It was close. So I'm not saying that the fire wasn't close to homes. What I am talking about is the people that were nowhere near the fire, yet still felt the urge to mark themselves safe. And the fire did take off fairly quickly yesterday. But you know how you could have gotten yourself to safety? You could have walked. If you were in a wheelchair, you could have wheeled yourself to safety. It wasn't like one of these moments where, ah, and you got to take off really quick. It was pretty easy to get yourself to a safe spot yesterday. And if anybody was worried, they were going to call or text. And the next part, I'm aware it's going to highlight of how big of an asshole I am. And I'm okay with that. I told you guys about my birthday and about how I kind of not get annoyed okay, get annoyed with like the Facebook messages and that I appreciate them. They're all nice. And if I didn't get them, then I would probably bitch about that too. This is just how my mind works. But people were messaging me yesterday saying, stay safe. Hey, Grayson, stay safe. And I appreciate it. I'm glad my well-being, that you were concerned about my well-being. 
What'd you think I was going to do? Dip myself in kerosene, go running towards the fire and just like belly flop in. It's like when, it's like when your mother tells you fly safe. You know what, mom? I was actually thinking about requesting a seat on the wing and then I was just going to hang on for dear life as we flew across the country, especially in flying. Like you have no control over that whatsoever. You're either flying safe or you're going to die. Those are kind of your only two options, unless you know how to man an airplane. Once that airplane takes off, everything else is out of your hands. You're fucked. You're either going to get to your destination safely, maybe you have to make an emergency landing, or you're going to die. Those are your only options. And I understand it's a human thing, and I, I'm appreciative that people, if you were concerned yesterday about me, but the fire was far enough off. I wasn't trying to be an ambulance chaser with my post yesterday. And at one point, <laughs> it's weird in this world we live in because everything's so immediate. And especially like with Instagram stories or Snapchat, you kind of post something and put it out to the world and you go, should I have done that? Oh, is that, is that insensitive? And it was very organic yesterday. Like as I was driving, I was like, oh, there's a fire. Then I got out of Walmart. Whoa. Gotten bigger. And I was driving across the freeway and went, ah, it's getting bigger. Then I realized it was close to my house. And it hit home once Blaine texted me a picture of his mom's house. And I went, shit. Shit. Real people are involved here. And here I am just being a dick. Shit. But I didn't know it at the time. So I feel better about it now. Now that it was just one house burnt down. And I don't mean only one house burnt down. That's terrible for them. But when you see the rest of the devastation that's been going on throughout the state. One house, eh, it's not that bad. I think it ended up being 600 acres or so, where the others are just hundreds and thousands of acres. I mean, you even saw the one yesterday, too, that popped up at the same time as the Murrieta fire popped up, was the one I think they're calling the, the lilac fire. It's kind of like the sexual predators, where I can't keep up with all the names because all these fires have been popping up, so you can't really keep up with which fire is which. Like, that one looked crazy. The one down in, I think, Carlsbad or Fallbrook or wherever it was. Um, but this one was an isolated incident tucked away in the unincorporated part of Marietta, and not that many people were in immediate real danger, yet they still marked themselves safe. I also learned something this week um, about some of the people that are fighting fires in the state of California. I'd heard about it once before, and I really didn't look too much into it. But here's a fun fact. Do you want to know who makes up 7 to 10%, depending on how many fires are going on any given day, 7 to 10% of the firefighters who are helping save lives? They're inmates. Mm-hmm. Current inmates, current felons. It was, I had to look into it because I saw a tweet about it and I was like, now nah, that, that number's got to be too high. But I'm going to read you two separate stories. One was from um, KQED. I don't know what those call letters are for down in San Diego. And another's from a story I read this morning at the Atlantic. And the KQED story um, is back from October 20th. So when we had all those fires going on then, but it just starts here. I'm going to read you a little bit of it and then we'll kind of dissect it a bit. So it says the number of inmates fighting fires varies with 19 fires burning simultaneously at one point. KQED reported that there are about 3,800 state prison inmates who are minimum custody inmates deemed a low safety risk fighting fires. At the time, that was about 7% of the 9,500 firefighters working those fires. And what do these guys get paid? These guys, or men and women, sorry, because they both comprise um, that, that number there. The base pay for the inmates, $2 a day and a dollar per hour for the time spent on the fires. $2 a day and $1 per hour for time spent on the fire lines. And the story interjects, says those salaries are lavish pay by prison standards. And I'm sure some of you are going, well, they're fucking prisoners. Who cares? What should they be getting paid for? They're working arm in arm, hand in hand, shoulder to shoulder with these same people. And this happens every year. I think it's been, I think I read it's been going on since 1970. So, I mean, we're looking at 40 plus years here of this happening, people, 50 plus years of this happening. And they're getting paid $2 a day 
plus a dollar for time spent on the fire lines? I mean, can't they get paid the actual amount and then we just put it in like a, a safety box for them when they get out or like a savings account? I mean, if that's not modern day slavery, I don't know what it is. And these are for low level offenders. So it's not like you're having murderers out there do this type of work. These are people that maybe shouldn't have even been in jail in the first place. Some of them should have. I'm not going to defend it because I don't know. I don't know each prisoner that's there but they're getting paid $2 a day to fight fires, to put their life on the line, and if they die, eh, and nobody hears about it. That's a huge story. How are we not talking about that? And the most fucked up part about all of it is that when they get out, they can't even become firefighters because they're felons. Let that sink in for a second. They can't even become real firefighters because they're felons. So their time spent there is just while they're incarcerated and we pay them peanuts to do the same amount of work the guys on the other side of the fence are doing. It's one of those things that you just want to beat your head against the wall. You're going, how can this be? How is this possible? This can't be right. Grayson's a fucking liar. Look it up. I mean, if those were ever people that got out of jail and that had like a path to employment, it's those people. They've already proven it. You already have the great firefighters and EMTs of the world that would vouch for them that they know what they're doing and that they've been rehabilitated and would be valuable members to the society. So when you hear about prison or jail and about rehabilitation, no, no. It's only about punishment. It's only about the iron fist. I mean, that's that's what you're supposed to do, go into jail. I mean, well, you're not supposed to go into jail. But if you do find yourself in jail, you would hope for whatever thing you did, if you were guilty of that charge, because we know, hey, there are some people in jail that aren't guilty, that you would come out the other side a better person. But our prison system isn't really about rehabilitating people, is it? It's really just about ruling with the iron fist, do as I say, and then you'll be able to get out of here if you're lucky. So just think about that next time that you see a blaze going on, that 7 to 10% of those people doing that are current inmates that won't be able to even find a job with the skill they have now learned and earned when they get out of jail. That system is fucking broken and it's crazy. And I read another piece from The Atlantic today, and I'm just going to read real quick. And it says, while communities, um, and this was from... What's today? The 8th? Okay, so this was published yesterday. So while communities from Sonoma to Mendocino evacuated in the firestorm's path, these inmates work shifts up to 72 hours straight to contain the blaze and protect the property residents left behind. Collectively, they made up roughly a third of the state's wildfire, wild, wow, wildfire fighting personnel and work an average of 10 million Say that again. They work an average of 10 million hours each year responding to fires and other emergencies. If that's not modern day slavery, please tell me what else is. They're a third of our firefighting workforce and they're getting paid $2 a day and they're not able to get a job after the fact. What the fuck is going on? What is going on? I didn't mean for this to take like this crazy turn, but I mean, that's just one of those dub what moments. Like, yes, let those people go work after that. That would help. Like maybe paying a living wage while they're doing it. It's not like they're stamping license plates for God's sakes. They're helping save people's lives and we're not going to give them a job when they get out. What is going on? How... <laughs> one of those things say it out loud we talk about it here a lot on this podcast like if this started today you'd be like no no that's not how we're gonna do these things but they were they, a third of the state's wild fighting personnel i mean we are so lucky in the state to have so many good men and women that are willing to sign up for um the fire service and for emts like anybody that wants to do that and that works hard at it and is doing it for two dollars a day that's the person we should be employing. I mean, you've seen the pictures already in the videos of these guys. They're just exhausted, falling over. Think about that next time you see that video of that firefighter falling over. You've seen them like sleeping, standing up or sitting up, you know. 
one of them might be a convicted felon that's helping you out and we're not willing to help them out once they finally get out of here. It's fucking crazy. It's despicable. I mean, those guys, to run into a burning building, I'm way too big of a pussy to do that. Way too big of a pussy to do that. You saw, I don't know if you guys saw the viral story that happened the other day. Of course this happened in California. Of the guy rescuing the bunny from the fire and like rams. Nah, that bunny's gonna burn. I'm not going to save a bunny. Maybe if it was a, if it was like my house dog or something, not that I have one, but if I owned a dog, I'll go help save him from a fire. But a little bunny foo-foo hopping through the forest, gotta let it burn. Be like, Usher, that thing's just gonna burn down to the ground. I'm not gonna be able to go save it. And... Uh, it's just, it's really, I don't mean to make light of it because it is disheartening that this is happening to these people, but I mean, that that's what we need to be employing. Look, there's a reason why nobody has ever written the song, Fuck the Firefighters or Fuck the EMTs, because they're not out there fucking with people. They're out there just helping. They're just out there doing their job. And they can write tickets too. I mean, there's, there's fire hazards and everything. I mean, would you feel the same way about firemen if they were driving down the road in their red truck, having binoculars, looking for things that you weren't supposed to have and go write your tickets? I mean, at that point, at least that maybe they're still just trying to like stifle any fires from happening. But you, you look at that opposed to, and here's where I'm going with it. Because yesterday I was driving down the road and I saw a cop parked on a sidewalk. I saw a biker cop parked on a sidewalk, hidden behind like a sign and was just trying to catch people like run a red light or um, maybe speed through the intersection. I mean, protect and serve who? That's what the firefighters are doing. That's protecting and serving. And I'm not saying that for all cops. I'm just saying it for those dickhead cops that are doing that. That is not the point. I understand that you're just part of a system and that you're trying to meet your quota and that's just the job you've gotten into. But how many cops got into that position just going, "Ah, I want to write tickets all day. And I don't even think that guy was a Temecula cop yesterday. I think it was a CHP man. But I'm so crazy. Like it took every fiber of my body not to just go park my truck in the Lowe's and just walk down there and just film and go, what the fuck you doing, man? Because I think sometimes you just need to show them a mirror. I mean, me included, where I do things I'm like, hey, maybe you need to look in the mirror there. And that thing you're doing is not a nice thing. And the thing you're doing is not a good thing. And I mean, it's just absolute power corrupts absolutely. So maybe they're not even cognizant of the shit they're doing when they're doing it. And I saw it again today. There was another cop parked illegally right by the freeway and just trying to catch people like that's not what you're there for. That makes you a state revenue collector. That makes you a quota collector. You're just trying to meet your higher ups by because then they get in trouble if they don't write so many tickets because they're not bringing more money in. But why should a cop be allowed to be parked on a sidewalk just trying to fuck with people? We've talked about this before. Like, I just think people need to get out of other people's way. We'd have so much less tension in this country if we just stopped fucking with one another and just let people be people. And it's one thing if the ticket was like $50, but you know these tickets are $350 or $500. Then you have to take time off of work to go sit in front of a judge to then beg for forgiveness, to hope that you don't have some other ticket on the books that you forgot about and then they'll throw you in jail. It'd be one thing that if you can get a ticket, just go online, be able to pay the fine. And, and if there was like a, a cap to all these things, we're, we're us as the people should not be state revenue collector, not should, should not be revenue for the state to be able to collect. I think there should be a cap on any traffic violations. Sure. If you're driving 120 miles an hour, tax that person with a $300 ticket, but jaywalking, if you run like a red light and like, what, what if it's like not a blazing red light? Like, what if it just kind of turned red? Not having your turn signal on, it should be $50 fines. And it even, I think it was last week, I was coming across the freeway. This cop flips an illegal U-turn because he'd forgotten to get on the freeway. Legal U-turn, no blinker, no nothing, no sirens on. He wasn't going anywhere. And it's just like, this is what happens. And that's when I want to just look at him and go, this is why people don't like you. This is why people don't like you. And it's not all cops. And I'm not saying that we don't need cops. Of course we do. But for some of this other shit, let's trim the fat. If you have enough time out of your day to hide on a sidewalk behind a bush, maybe we should get rid of your job or we should find something else better for you to do than be doing that. I just don't think when we ever put these laws on the books that we would envision this is the way it would go. But hey, 
we're here now and I don't know what you do about it. Part of it's the police unions that I think unions are good for certain things, but a police union is definitely not one of those because, of course, what are they going to do? They're, they're going to lobby for higher wages. They're going to lobby for less work. And that's just the way unions go. And You just have to revamp this whole thing. At the end of the day, it's not cops. They're just people like you and I. I'm not saying like if I became a cop that I wouldn't be conditioned to be doing the same things that they're doing now. But I don't know if it was me and Brian that talked about it or maybe I've talked about it in a prior podcast, but like there just needs to be stricter guidelines for becoming a cop. It shouldn't take you longer to go to barbering school to learn how to cut someone's hair than it should to get to the police academy. There should be a certain baseline test. I think there should even be like a martial arts test where you should have to have a blue belt in jiu-jitsu before you can become a cop. There needs to be a health requirement. You know how if someone goes to college and then joins the military that they automatically become an officer? We should kind of do the same thing here. If you get out of the military and you have awards and you don't show any signs of PTSD, then you should automatically get paid more because you already have demonstrated that you know how to handle hostile situations and you're not going to pull that gun when you need to or that you're not going to be out there fucking with people and just writing tickets but the whole thing needs to be revamped so i'm not hating on cops i'm just hating on certain police tactics that if we looked at a neutral point of view you'd have that wait what moment and I've had those a couple of times just watching these cops hide and just try and write people tickets like that's not what you're there for. That was just like one of those wait what moments. And then seeing couple that with what I'd read about the inmates, it's just the system's backwards and we got to make a change on it. But I'll get off my high horse on that off my soapbox. I think I've said enough. You guys have listened to this podcast enough. If you listen to every episode, I mean, now we're talking what? 16, 17 plus hours you've heard me speak. I think you know where I stand. I kind of know my line of thinking of a lot of these things. Um, and one of the things, I'll, I'll, I'll pivot off of this and this will be last of it. But uh, last week I went on a trip to LA solo. Um, got an Airbnb the night before. It was kind of a cool little place. Granted, it just had an air mattress in there, but it was this dope little, it was like a studio like an actual studio that the guy had. It looked like he produced some music in there and had a t-shirt uh, screen printer and everything. And it was just me. So it was like 50 bucks I paid. Um, it was right in the heart of Koreatown, down the street from the wheel turn. There was a cool spot called the Beer Belly across the street or just down the street. So I went over there and grabbed some pre-drinks before I went and saw this group, Big Gigantic. I don't know what you'd call Big Gigantic. They're, I, mean, I guess electronic dance music because there's definitely like electronic shit to it but they have a live drummer and a live saxophone player and it was fucking wild it, it was a good time but went to this cool spot called the beer belly right next to there made friends with the bartender wrote his name down and i've told you this before what happened i went back after the show i said hey steve good to see you again i got three more beers that night after the show didn't pay for a single one granted he got a nice tip afterwards but be nice to people, write their names down in your notes, give you a little descriptor of who they are, and then when you go back, they're going to hook you up. It was the same thing I told you about with the flight attendant. Give her down a little bit of money, and all will be well, and you um, will get it back tenfold. I promise you. But one of... <laughs> I call it a stoner thought. Now, I wasn't even smoking pot on the way up there. It's just what I call those things is I was just contemplating everything that's been going on in Hollywood and with this Harvey Weinstein shit and everything. And if you do follow me on Instagram, you saw that I'm going to write a new song. I'm going to take the song Dick in a Box, if you guys remember that, with JT and I think the Lonely Island guys um, that did I'm on a Boat. And I'm going to turn it into Keep Your Dick in Your Pants. Um, so people have already reached out that are willing to help with this. I don't know how far I'm going to go with it. I'm going to make like an actual music video of it or if it'll just be kind of like uh, how I do these videos now where it's me talking behind a mic and I'll splice in some of the stuff that goes in there. So I need to go have a brainstorming moment. Um, I'm going to hit up some of the people that uh, talked to me about it this week. So Tyler, if you're listening, I'm going to be hitting you up, buddy. Um, but I'm going to make a new song called Keep Your Dick in Your Pants. There's just too much of this going on. I, I need... <laughs> I need to make a stand on it. And it's going to be a great way because it'll probably go viral again, which is, hey, any more eyes um, I can get on the podcast is wonderful. And if you think it's over, it's definitely not. I was reading yesterday that the Washington Post right now is working on a story that's going to allege 20 to 30 politicians of sexual harassment. You heard me right. 20 to 30 politicians of sexual harassment. So they'll probably wait for a slow news day next week and drop that bombshell. So Republicans and Democrats, 
Their tails have got to be tucking. They've got to be getting a little scared. And now you guys know me well enough that you obviously know I don't condone what's going on. I've I mean, I say this all the time. My timeline speaks for itself. My podcasts, I think, speak for themselves. You know that I don't condone any of the shenanigans that have been going on. But I do think that it is on a case-by-case basis of what's happening. Like the Louis C.K. stuff, a little weird. I guess the girls agreed to it, but eh, it's a little weird. I don't put that on the same level as a Harvey Weinstein or a Bill Cosby. And you got Al Franken, the senator from... Uh, where Minnesota that now he's resigned because he did all that bullshit with uh, Leanne Tweeden and everything else and the dude just kind of seems like an old creep and I was talking about it with the cops like this is just what you see where absolute power corrupts absolutely you have these guys in this position of power and they just think they can do whatever the fuck they want but I am curious and we'll have to wait until a story comes out but how many of these 20 to 30 politicians that are being accused of sexual harassment like I said you know where I stand on this, but how much of it is real sexual harassment? Now, let me say my piece. I've spent a majority of my adult life working in restaurants and bars off and on, and most of my friends still work in restaurants and bars. And for those of you that have, have or currently do, you know the level of sexual harassment, whoops, sorry, that happens inside of these establishments. There is 100% legit sexual harassment that goes on. I mentioned I worked at Texas Lills. Trust me, that was a haven of sexual harassment. Bosses definitely sexually harassed some of the women there. The owner probably sexually harassed some of the women there. That's not what I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about is the employee-on-employee sexual harassment. I'm using air quotes. For those of you that have worked in a restaurant, it's this interesting dynamic where so many of the women and men all speak to each other like they're in, like, committed relationships. The terms that always get thrown out are honey, baby, sweetheart, love. And it's not just the guys doing it to the women. It's just like the the culture of what happens in restaurants. And it's not even just women on men or men on women. A lot of like the sexual harassment, using air quotes again, that happens is man on man. I can't tell you how many times I had a guy just like come up and like kiss me on the cheek out of nowhere or like uh, sack tap me or like smack an ass or grab a butt. It's just this weird dynamic that happens in restaurants because you all work together so much. You end up becoming friends. You kind of all drink together. You all party together. And it's just this like weird quirk that happens inside of restaurants. And I'm looking back now and I'm sure like, let's say this podcast ever took off and Grace and Gregory actually became a name. There's certainly people that could probably accuse me of sexual harassment from back in the day from things I had said or done. Probably more men than women. <laughs> and But was that really sexual harassment? I mean, maybe now if you like look back at it, you're like, oh, well, that was it. But I promise you that in those moments, in those times, and I get that this is getting in a weird little spot, but if you've worked in a restaurant or you know me, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, I'm not the guy that's going to go up to a girl at the gym or I'm not going to oogle at a girl at the gym. Like, I avert my eyes if there's anything going on. Like, I'm not a piece of shit like that. But inside of those restaurants, everybody gets on these weird um, little kicks. And maybe it's not that way at the yard house or if you've worked in a corporate restaurant, but I've only worked in sole proprietorships. And that's just, that's the way things go. And I don't think any of it is... let me say that. There are instances of sexual harassment. There are instances where like, I've had to go tell an employee, like, hey, you can't talk to her like that or you can't like do that because she doesn't appreciate what you're doing. And then it usually stops. Sometimes you have to speak to them again or you just end up firing a piece of shit. Um, everybody's not going to perceive what you're doing in the same way. Just like I'll allow certain people to say certain things on social media or make certain posts. And it's like, yeah, I like that person. Not a big deal. And there's other people. And it's like, oh, so it's cringeworthy moment you know um and the same thing goes like with this so i'm gonna wait for the story to come out i'm gonna withhold judgment but it does seem like some of this might seem like it's going back and forth i'm like oh you know what that was sexual harassment but was it at the time it's hard to say and i'm telling you there's so much ass grabbing and sack tapping going on in restaurants or at least the restaurants i've worked at you would think you were like at a gay pride event in hillcrest i mean it's just the way that it is and it's an even weirder dynamic when you get the front of the house and the back of the house people together because those chefs are nutty people chefs are nutty nutty people 
They like to haze each other. They like to burn each other with hot pans. It's how they get themselves through the rush. It's how they get themselves out of the weed, um, out of the weeds. So let's wait and see when this Washington Post story comes out. But don't forget when it does drop that I told you to keep your eye out for 20 20 to 30 politicians being accused of sexual harassment. My favorite part about all this is not my favorite part. I guess that's a bad use of words. But like with the Matt Lauer story. There was a story that had come out last week about, I guess they had a roast for him. And the jokes, and I understand they're jokes. I'm not a joke police guy. But the jokes that were coming out, I mean, it was talking about him um, going down on one of the girls. I think, one, what's her name? Ann Curry or something. It's like, oh, we all know Matt likes um, uh, curry sauce or likes the taste of curry. It was alluding to the dildos that he had in his room. It was talking about how he likes to, um, he's such a germaphobe that he washed his hands even before he jerked off. So like when you look at him and now you're having all these people coming out, what? I didn't know this was happening. How, how was this happening? You fucking knew there was this culture of this. And maybe with the women and uh, understandably, they didn't feel like there was a way for them to be able to come out. There was some stories of a few women that did and then were subsequently fired. You don't say, but I mean, where the fuck were the other dudes in the room? Is that just what happens? I mean, is it kind of like the mob mentality? It's, I mean, not to go back to the police real quick, but I mean, if a cop does something bad, where are all the other cops calling him out? It doesn't happen. It's kind of like this mob mentality that happens. And maybe they were just like, thought it was okay. But I mean, where the fuck were all the other dudes when this stuff was going on? I mean, Matt Lauer had a lock button under his desk. You have to get permission for that. Construction has to come in. You're not going to go into the NBC buildings like Mission Impossible style. Do, 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 To insert this lock on your desk to lock your door from sitting down. No, that had to be approved. That had to come from a higher up. So people fucking knew about it. And the disingenuousness that comes out of all these people. I had no idea. Oh, I just love my friend and I'm just going to withhold judgment. No. Now is the time to judge that motherfucker. Hell, it was you're past the time where you should have already been judging this person. And now it comes out. And now your feet are being held to the coals. And you have to make a decision on what you do next. So let's wait and see what happens with these 20 to 30 politicians, allegedly. But if nothing else, haven't we just learned that people in position of power just succumb to that power and they have a hard time differentiating between what's right and what's wrong. I mean, I'm telling you, I've heard stories about what athletes do on their own time and it would blow your mind away from certain athletes that you think, no, not that guy, never, not him. He would never, probably him too. Probably him too. I told my parents that before. They're big. I don't know for all you golfers out there when it broke about like what Tiger Woods was doing. <gasps> they were appalled. But their favorite golfer is Phil Mickelson. And Phil Mickelson would never do that. Yes, he does. I'm sure he does. I'm sure he does. Or like John McCain. John McCain was another person that the right loved. And oh, he's such a good guy. He was a POW in the Vietnam War. Oh, yeah. He was cheating on his wife when she had cancer. How about them apples? So let's stop being moralist. Let's stop uh, putting people on a pedestal. Let's stop pretending like people are infallible. At the end of the day, power corrupts absolutely. They're just humans. There are no special people in this world. Every, no one's impervious to becoming a dickhead or an asshole or doing wrong things. The, the key to it is when you do do a wrong thing, atone for that, say you're sorry, and don't make that decision again. But not 10 years after after the fact or not like when tiger woods when he got caught that went to sex rehab dude all i want i want tiger woods to be good good again all i want him to do is start doing cocaine and start banging hookers please please start just banging hookers again so we get you back at the top i get so tired i mean you see with you see with harvey weinstein but he was like allegedly going to sex rehab fuck you it's just this pr move i mean nothing else that we want is when someone gets caught doing something to come out own it, say they're wrong, and move on. For you baseball fans, if some dude got caught with steroids, you want to hear it was some tainted bullshit supplement? No. You want him to just come out and say, hey, I took this. I got paid. It was a contract year, wanted more money. Then you move on. You forget about it. The guys that owned up in it in baseball and said that they did do steroids, we've all forgotten about them. 
It's the people that come out and make up these bullshit stories like, sorry, it's 2017, soon to be the year 2018. We have the internet now. You can't just hide behind a newspaper. You can't hide behind a press release. We're going to still have questions. That's why I will always <laughs> say what you will about the man, but Charlie Sheen took that shit head on. He said, no, this is what I've been doing. Tiger blood, cocaine, hookers, I got AIDS, here's what's happening, look at me winning. I I have more respect for a guy like that. Call me crazy, but I have more respect for someone that just owns their issues and doesn't hide behind the veil. I mean, perfect example is the UFC of John Jones. John Jones has gotten he's passed or failed a drug test for cocaine, I think, twice now, which hey, I'm not a moralist. Do what you gotta do, baby boo. Um Got a DUI for hitting a pregnant woman and fleeing the scene. And every time it's, I'm just going to pray that God has, I know that God has a better plan for me. Um, This is just all part of a greater plan. I'm going to come back. Like, no, just come out and say you're an asshole. Say you're a piece of shit and that you fucked up and we'll just move on from there. But stop hiding behind this press release shit and everything. It drives me nuts. It's the year 2017, people. What do you got to do? You got to evolve. That's right. So I'm running out of running out of things, uh, running out of time here is what I meant to say, because we're almost at an hour now. And I mean, you're probably sick of me. Ho- hopefully you made it through the, the, the cop talk. Hopefully you can kind of take off um, your judgmental hat for a second and just hear the whole story. But we're, we're sitting right here now. It's December 8th. So I probably got two more podcasts left in this year Then I think I'm going to take the whole week off from Christmas to New Year's and then come back um, the first week of 2018. And I'm just going to take a week sit back. I'm a lucky motherfucker. Life's really good. I got great friends and family around me and I might complain a lot or bitch a lot, but trust me, life's good. It's good to be me. And I'm fucking so um, happy and looking forward to 2018. So that's it, guys. That's this episode of the podcast. Um, If you haven't yet, what should you do? Go rate and review it in your Apple Store or in your iTunes Store on Android on Stitcher. And now you can also subscribe on YouTube. Just search out Prove Me Wrong Podcast and you can hit in a little alert there so it'll come right to your phone when each new and every episode is uploaded to YouTube. So thanks so much for checking it out. I hope you guys have a great weekend and I'll catch you next week. Peace. Peace.